Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 22. Or if you use your phone, you can scroll there, click there. Luke chapter 22 is where we're going to be, and we got some guys passing out scriptures right now if you need them. Uh, how are you all doing? Yeah? It's been quite a month, hasn't it? I don't know, maybe not just a month, but maybe, I don't know, a couple months. I feel like it's been uh, tragedy after tragedy. Would you agree? I mean, it's all these sort of record-setting kind of things that are, like, how much more can we take? And uh, I was just even thinking back to that series on, on the kingdom and how Jesus invites us to actually be more human. And then you keep looking at all the inhumanity that's in our world. Uh, just, I mean, the stuff with Paris and everything else, it, it's just unbelievable. And I know that God weeps with us in that. Uh, that I don't, I, I don't believe that this is a God that brings about retribution, that somehow those 77 people did something that merited them to be mauled and, you know, run down by a giant truck. There's, it's just not the God I believe in. Um, but we're going to be talking about, you know, last week we talked about confession, and this week we're talking about uh, these things that are sort of essential to the faith, and we're going to talk about Eucharist. Um, and we're st- this is an English-speaking church, I promise. Um, Eucharist, it, it's, it's a weird world uh, that we live in when we're, we're in the church so often that these words become like second nature, like, oh, Eucharist, yeah, of course, I know what that is. Uh, if you grew up Catholic, then you heard this word a lot. Uh, but if you grew up in the Christian world, you probably heard something else, like the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Meal, uh, the Table, or Mass. But generally what we've heard in evangelical Christianity is communion. Would you agree? Communion. But this was, uh, they generally referred to it as Eucharist. And so what I want to talk about this morning is what in the world is Eucharist? What are we doing when we take this Eucharist? What is it... uh, that happens in the midst of it. It's sort of these questions in my mind, like, haven't we outgrown, like, these weird rituals of, like, food and wine and things like that, to which I say, no, we have not outgrown food and wine. Uh, But perhaps some of you grew up in really super religious households, right? You grew up in really strict Catholic households. And uh, so things like Eucharist and Mass actually bring like, mem- back memories of like guilt and shame uh, and like the drudgery of religion. And so my hope today is to kind of free you from that, if that has been your experience or you've had no experience of this at all and you're, you showed up here and you're like, they're talking about this word I don't understand. Uh, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with it or you've been in church services before, I wanna just talk about how Eucharist 
is actually something that's fundamental to our human nature. Uh, and it's a reminder of the rhythms in life that we go through and how we're wired, how we're designed, how we're created. So, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to read some scriptures, and then we're going to close by taking it together. So, let's read a few passages from the scripture uh, that give us some context for the meal. And the first one we're going to look at comes from the Gospel of Luke, where I told you to turn. Uh, we're going to look at a lot more passages, but I thought you're at least going to be on time for the first passage. Luke 22, and we're going to start in verse 19. So, I don't know if that means you have to turn a page or not. But this is the passage from which we get Eucharist. And he took bread. This is, uh, this is Luke writing about Jesus. He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, this is in the midst of a big meal. This is what they call the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus in the upper room, he's with his friends. And in the midst of the meal, he takes some bread and makes this statement. He gives thanks, breaks it, gives it to them. And then after the meal, it says, then in the same way, after the supper, so this is sometime later in the meal, he takes the cup and saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, us being super religious would have been like, whoa, let's hold on to that cup, right? We want to like, we want to make something like, I don't know how you would say it, super spiritual, super religious. It's like why we get so amped up on Indiana Jones and the search for the Holy Grail. We're like, what if that cup's out there, you know, like this magic cup that gives you eternal life, you know, and there's some 900-year-old knight out there sitting next to it. And that's kind of how we like our spirituality. We like it in this realm that's like way up there and weird and out of, out of the normal, out of the ordinary, right? We don't want it in something as normal as a, as a cup of wine or juice, something as normal as some bread, right? We want to put it way out there. So that's the recording of the evening, what Jesus said in Luke. Now, we're also going to look at what Paul said, the Apostle Paul, who came sometime uh, after Jesus, and uh, he wrote his letter to the church in Corinth actually before Luke wrote his gospel. So Paul's writing is actually newer than Luke's, which is strange. Uh, they're both many thousands of years old, but here we go. Uh, I put it in the message translation to help make things clear. And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28. If you want to turn there, I'm going to read it to you from the message. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he says, let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper. It's like, oh, thank you. What is this whole thing we're doing? And why is it, why it is so centrally important? I receive my instructions from the master himself and pass them on to you. Thanks, Paul. The master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread Having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. Okay, so we got some continuity between the two. And after the supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This is my cup. This, this cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. Then he goes on a little bit further. He says, what you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread, every time you eat this bread, every time, every time, I'm just going to repeat, every time you eat this bread. Now, is he just talking about the bread there at the table? Is he just talking about the bread right there at their meal? Because that means like once that bread's gone, there's no more for anyone else. Every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact your words and actions 
in your words and actions the death of the master, talking about Jesus. You will be drawn back to this meal again. Oh, wait. So there is a sense in which we're coming back to this thing. Again and again, until Jesus returns, you must never let familiarity breed contempt. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of Jesus, of the master, irreverently, and this is what I've heard in church all the time, like, oh, don't drink judgment upon yourself, you know, you'll die. It's like, okay, and I've been in those services. And, uh, you know, no, he's is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be a part of? Examine your motives, test your heart, come to the meal in holy awe. And what I'm going to argue later is that I want you to come to every meal in holy awe, okay? So I'm going to make some comments about all this. First, the word Eucharist. Just say it. Say Eucharist. Eucharist, okay. It's a Greek word. Um, It's nothing to be afraid of. The U in Eucharist, E-U, means good. It simply means good, okay? And then charis, like um, Boog's daughter. Has anybody seen charis running around? Charis means grace or gift. It can mean grace or gift. So, Eucharist is the good gift. Now, in the passages that we read, when it says he gave thanks, he broke the bread and he gave thanks, that word in the Greek is eucharistesas or eucharisteo, or eucharistia. There's all sorts of different conjugations of that word, okay? So that's where we get the Eucharist. It's from that word to give thanks. Um, Some of you may have like social media hashtags that say eucharisteo, or you've seen that somewhere. Eucharisteo, it means I give thanks. I give thanks, eucharisteo. So that's all that it means. It's a good gift or a good grace. Now, when I said this ritual represents something to fundamental human nature, what I'm talking about is the good gift, okay? Here's the thing. Anytime you have been blessed, someone has done the blessing, okay? Anytime you have received, someone else has given, right? If you had food on the table growing up, someone gave to put that food there, okay? Uh, This is how the world works. If you were ever inspired, someone else expired, breathed out something to inspire, breathe in life, creativity, imagination into you. This is how it works. When you show up to uh, someone's house and they've set out a plate of food for you, that is a gift, a good gift. That came at a sacrifice to someone else. They spent their life, their time, their money to give of themselves to put that food before you. And here's the thing. Let's make it real simple. Every breath of oxygen is a gift. You did not create that. It comes from somewhere else, something else, someone else. Every intake of air is a gift. That is how the world works. You receive because someone else gave, okay? Now, if there was uh, a way to make this more tangible, like this food on the table right here, someone gave so that this food could be here, that you could eat it. Uh, now, it's, if you benefit in any way, 
That means someone else sacrifices, gives, pays for your benefit. So the Eucharist is this good gift that you have access to this divine sort of life. Okay, this is, uh, we're talking about Jesus with the Eucharist. So Jesus is saying this, my body broken for you, just like the bread was broken, and my blood poured out for you, just like the wine. It's giving so we can have life. So this is the way I see it in this next slide. Jesus breaks his body and pours himself out for the healing and the salvation of the world. And Jesus invites us to be the same good gift in the world, okay? To break ourselves open and pour ourselves out for the healing of others. Is that, you, you with me there? We always talk about wanting to be more Christ-like. I, uh, I was sitting with a friend at, um, at coffee this week. Uh, he's not here because he's working, but uh, many of you know him, Jeff Blum. Uh, he's got four beautiful daughters that are uh, in our children's ministry. And his, uh, it's, he's, he was telling me about a day in the last week that he had. He said, oh, Esh, I got to tell you, we had the best day. And he said, I, I was reflecting on it, and I realized that we hadn't done a single thing to serve ourselves. We had been helping out some friends. We'd been, we'd been uh, taking care of some other people. We had given away ourselves all day long. And he said, at the end of the day, uh, I was sitting there, and I said to my wife, I said, that was a very good day, okay? That's not normal for what our culture is trying to sell you, all right? Just give yourself away. Go help your friend move. You're going to love it. No, right? And, and those of us that are like the moving people, like we have to move, we're trying to bribe you with like pizza and beer and like, hey, come on, like, you know, I got a, six, a cold six-pack for you. And they're like, yeah, I got one too. And there's no moving involved. It's awesome, you know? <laughs> I'm gonna stay right here on my couch and I'll be just fine. But that's the thing is like, we don't even realize like this is what we're meant. This is how the world has been created. A giving away of yourself so that others may benefit. And actually, at the end of a day like that, you end up saying something like, that was a very good day. And some of you, raise your hand if you've ever participated in some kind of service project where at the end of the day, you're like, I feel like I did something with my life today. I mean, did you, have you been a part of that? Like, I, you know, I've, growing up, I was always on the house building trips in Mexico. And still at the end of them, I'd be like, yeah, just build a house, you know? Boom, and I'm never going to live there, you know, as far as I know. But <laughs> that's not for me. I built it for someone else. So it is this giving yourself away. You become this good gift in the world. Now, some more basic thoughts. Uh, because here's the thing. Eucharist, it can be confusing. So let me break it down for you. If the basics of Eucharist, the basics of communion. So when you're in a church like this, if you're new here or any church that you go to, you know what to do and what not to do. Number one, relax. Just relax, okay? 
This is Eucharist. This is a good gift. You don't get all uptight and weird and like, about a, a good gift. You're like, you're excited about a good gift. Am I right? But I've worked in large churches where they, uh, they have like the bread on one plate and it's this real cool silver tray. And then there's like 40 little cups of grape juice stuck in a very cool circular pattern. And they, you know, they come by your row and they hand it to you. And there's always that group of, there's always like a couple people, like when I'm delivering communion in those settings, and they're just, they're like, I don't know what you put in that. I, what is this? Like, why are you handing me like bread and, you know, grape juice in a tiny little cup? I don't know what's happening here. Uh, there's people that feel all sorts of things. They give you the old like uh, shake, smile, and nod, you know, like the... You know, just trying to like, I'm not, it's, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, <laughs> look, I get it. It can be a weird ritual thing. I do. It feels really uncommon. It's so funny that something so common as eating bread and drinking wine has felt so weird, uncommon, and out of our world. Jesus was like, what could I just, what could I do? Some easy thing that they'll remember. I know, eating and drinking. When you eat and when you drink, remember me and what I'm doing for you, right? And we were like, well, we have to make it like this special, it's this, the holy grail, and the, you know, we take it out of the ordinary and put it into this spiritual realm that only certain people have access to. So if you don't want to participate in eating and drinking, eventually you're going to die. But if you don't want to participate in what we're remembering here, I understand that. You're free to not participate, okay? I'm not trying to force you into anything here. But I also want you to know that you're welcome to participate, that this table is open to you. Okay, there's only one prerequisite for coming to this table, all right? And that's hunger. Hunger. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Some of you are actually like, yeah, I'm a little hungry. Like, I'm looking at that, you know, blueberry bagel over there, and I'm like, go for that. Take the whole thing. It's all good. Some of you are only like, break off a little piece. That's fine. You want the whole bagel? Eat the whole bagel. All right? Hungry. Now, it's not always just physically hungry, but are you hungry on a deeper level? Are you hungry? Sometimes you just need a burger and a shake. You go through the drive-thru. But sometimes you can eat and eat and eat and you still feel empty. Are you with me? Are you hungry on a deeper level? Do you long for something to really satisfy you? Uh, in a way that hunger with just Filling it with food doesn't fix sometimes. You know, maybe you've been disconnected from your community for a while, uh, or from your friends, or from your spouse, and you're hungry on a deeper level. And you long for a connection. You long to feel full again, joy and life. See, here's the thing about our lives. Uh, my friend Rob likes to say that we get tired at times. And I just had a, a, a baby, and we're, we're all tired in the Eshelman household. Um, we're trying to do too much, and we're tired. 
And there's different kinds of tired. You get physically tired, right? Like you just did a sprint triathlon. You just worked out with Jordan. It's like you're super tired. You know, you've been going all day, all day, and you're physically exhausted. You just crossed the finish line at your first marathon, and your legs are like shaking, and you're wondering how you're still conscious, and you're tired, okay? That's physically tired. Or you took all the kids to the beach for four hours, right? And you lugged all their stuff, and you fed them, and you're like, you got them all home, and they're all still alive, and you're just like, <laughs> tired, you know? Then there's like intellectually tired, right? You just walked out of the, that room where you took the SAT, and your brain is like fried. You've been cramming and cramming and cramming information and information. You just took the LSAT or some giant test. You've just, you, you know, you're, you're trying to get your certification to become a real estate agent, whatever it is, you're, and you're just intellectually, you're like, I, no more information fits in here, I'm sorry. Actually, Ash, what you're saying, it's like hitting these blocks of, of, of other information that is filled. And you're intellectually tired, and then you're emotionally tired. Someone in your life that you've been around and they're literally draining you. They just come up to you and you're like, hey, and they just kind of plug in. Like, and they just suck the life out of you with whatever's happening in their life and it's always the same thing. You're like, man, are you ever going to get healthy? And, it's just, and you just feel yourself being drained and you're emotionally tired. And then there's what my friend Rob calls Eucharist, tired. This is tired at a whole other level, Right? Like the vacation doesn't fix it, right? A good night of sleep doesn't fix it. You're tired at a whole other level. Your Eucharist tired and you're empty. You've been breaking yourself open and pouring yourself out and now what you need is to have the body put back together and the blood poured back in. The Eucharist, when you eat it and when you drink it, it is a reminder that the life that was in and is in Jesus is also in you. I want you to hear that again. Let's look at the next slide. The Eucharist, when you eat it and drink it, is a reminder that the life that is in Jesus is the life that is in you. It is a reminder that we are empty and we are hungry and that, here's our next point. God is the food. It gets weird. This is where a lot of people left Jesus when he started talking this way. So if you guys get up and leave, I'm not going to be offended. Um, it's a great passage in the Gospel of John. And John likes the food metaphor. It seems to come up over and over again. But Jesus has been traveling with his friends. And he basically sends them into town because he's pretty beat to get food. Which begs the question, why is Jesus is so tired, and they're not as tired. They've all been walking the same distances together, but Jesus is like, I'm taking a break. Go get me some food. So they go and get him some food, and when they come back, this is the whole interaction with Jesus and the woman at the well, if you're familiar with these stories. And they say, Rabbi, eat something. And he says this in John 4.32. He says, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Thanks, Jesus. We just went all that way to get you something to eat, and you're telling us you had food the whole time. Thank you. Thank you. And he says this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
So here's, here's it, it's just a strange deal. There is something I, that I will argue as you're, as you're in the flow of how you're actually created and in line with how God created you and how Christ is actually in you, that it is sustaining, right? Because we talked about there's the emptiness that food can't fill. There's the tiredness that sleep can't fix. And so Jesus is saying there's actually something physically and emotionally and spiritually sustaining about being connected to me, being connected to God. So things are going to get a little weirder still. Jesus starts to call himself bread, okay? He says this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So to me, this just sounds like straight-up cannibalism, right? If we just take him at his word, people will say, well, I just take the Bible, you know, I take it seriously. All right, do you have any Jesus flesh around? <laughs> Apparently, his flesh is bread. Now, I think churches would be empty if this was like the real deal. Like, if we took the Bible literally, churches ought to be empty. And that's why, it, I mean, he goes on to say this. He says, uh, in John 6, 53, he says, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, which he uses to refer to himself, and drink his blood. Now we're just getting super weird. You have no life in you. Is it possible Jesus is talking about something other than his actual flesh and blood? Is it possible he's talking about something other than just bread and wine? That there is this deeper connection to the divine presence that is in you that you're disconnected from. And that perhaps eating the bread and drinking the wine can help reconnect you to remember, no, 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 I am this good gift and you also are to be a good gift. He's talking about, you know, when he says, I am the bread that comes down from heaven, he's, it's a reference back to uh, when Israel was in the wilderness and there was this manna, they called it. Uh, it was this bread-like stuff that came down from heaven and was there every day and fed them and sustained them. Now, he's not literally the bread, right? But in another way, he is what sustains life, right? Jesus is the Christ. He is what sustains life. If you eat this bread, you will live forever. You will essentially be indestructible. Does anybody in here feel indestructible? I certainly don't. Here's what, here's what I think he might be saying. If you find yourself in me, then you will be indestructible. If you look for your identity in your reputation, in your roles, your titles, your money, your achievements, all of that will pass away. It will not live forever. Okay? But in Him, you will live forever. And you will become what uh, one mystic, Thomas Burton, said, you will, you will become your true self. And this true self is who you really are and always have been in God. And this is what leads the Apostle Paul to write in Galatians 2.20, if you read it with me, look, 
I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself, gave himself, gave himself, gave himself for me. Okay? Okay, two more thoughts and then we're, we're going to take this meal together. Worthiness is not a prerequisite to come to this table. Remember I said the only prerequisite to get here is hunger. Are you hungry? Worthiness We've talked about worth when we, if you were here, we talked about the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, your worth is never in question. Now, communion, Eucharist is a mysterious event. It is something that remembers that Jesus' body was broken for us. His blood was poured out for us, for our salvation, for our fullness of life, so we can be connected to God. The event of Jesus' death and resurrection was an announcement of grace to the whole world. Not to just a few, but to the whole world. So when we make it about something like church membership uh, or some sort of achievement to a higher level of spirituality, right, then it becomes divisive. You can't tell who's in and who's out, who's experiencing true life and who's in hell based on who gets to come to this table. You can tell who's in and who's out in your own circle, But in Jesus, what I saw was him constantly pushing the circle wider and wider to include more and more. People that thought that they weren't in were in. Why are you dining with these kinds of people, people would ask him. The kingdom is big enough for them. So, one of the the thoughts, I loved what Richard Rohr said here. He says, if worthiness is the issue, who can stand before God? I am worthy. (laughs) Are those who receive actually saying they are worthy? I hope not. That's an ego statement to begin with. The issue is not worthiness. The issue is trust and surrender. And then as he says, or as Teresa of Lisieux said, it all comes down to confidence and gratitude, which I think is great. And she, she goes on to say, we can stand before God because a God that would make us kneel is not what, we say in Je- not what we see in Jesus. What we see in Jesus is a God who washes our feet. So we can stand in confidence and trust. It's a complete surrender. But we have gratitude, a gratefulness. Okay, last point. The common is holy. The common is holy. This is a longer sermon, but I'm going to condense it into one minute. In communion, Jesus has taken two fundamental needs of humanity, food and drink, and he's made them sacred, right? You got to eat bread, you got to drink wine. You don't have to eat those two things, but you need to eat and you need to drink. When we try to make this some lofty, super spiritual thing or some sort of test that you have to pass, We're only fooling ourselves because Jesus insists that it's in food and in drink that we remember the holiness. We remember the good gift. We remember the grace that was given to us. It's in a hamburger bun and a tortilla over here. The very food that we eat as often as you do this, whenever you do this, whenever you do this, I'm just keep repeating it. 
you may do it in remembrance of him. You may also not. You may have had a donut this morning and did not remember at all that his body was broken and poured out for you and blood poured out for you. You had your donut and coffee. But you could. That's what I'm saying. You could. In that moment, remember a good gift. The body was broken for me and the blood was poured out for me. And as I align myself with that reality and truth, I am filled. I am filled. You align yourself with the divine presence that gave itself for you. So, let's partake in this meal together and remember that his body was broken, his blood was poured out for our salvation, for our healing, for our very life itself. And as you remember him, allow yourself to be filled by him. You will become what you eat, right? You are what you eat. So you will become who you truly are, a good, sacred gift, a good gift. So here's how we're going to do this. I have two kind of big round tables, one in the back there and one right here, and they've got some, we've got some chips, we've got some tortilla, we've got some croissants, we've got some hot dog buns, hamburger buns, juice, um, Orange juice. And we're going to come to a table just like we'd come to any, like we come to the donut table. If you want to go to the donut table because you can't get here, go to the donut table and get some more coffee or get some, We're going to do this together. So get your bread, dip it, take a drink, whatever. And if you want to go back to your seats and we can all, no, we're not going to do that. Just come up here together. This isn't a lonely thing. Come with someone. Talk to each other. Not a lot but a little bit. <laughs> know how you roll. We're not going to have any music right now because there generally isn't like a band playing worship songs when you're having a meal. Am I right? It wasn't like at the Last Supper, Jesus was like, guys, I just want instrumental right now. I'm about to do uh, this thing. Right? <laughs> this is my body. And someone in the back just like, this is body. You know, no, it was just a meal and him saying, remember as often as you do this, remember me. So come on, get up, get up, grab some food. Don't wait in line. Just gather around the table. Everyone is welcome. The only prerequisite is hunger. If you're waiting in a line, find food somewhere else. Take a drink, dip it, whatever you like to do. This is Christ's body broken for you, his blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of him. Remember the good gift. Be filled with his presence. Oh, there's room over here. Come on around the side here. There's plenty of room. There's no lines. It's a circular table. Plenty of, Matt's coming in. I feel it. <laughs> the body broken, the blood poured out.
Once you have partook in the communion, would you please find your seat? All right. Now I'm going to invite up the actual worship team to come play. This is probably the most unorthodox communion you've ever participated in. To which I say, good. Good. Excellent. I'm glad. The table is always open. It is always, it is always set. We're setting a table for the whole world, my friends. We're setting a table for the whole world to wake up to their true self. His body broken, his blood poured out for our salvation and our healing. Be filled with his presence and then go and do likewise. Break yourself open and pour yourself out for the healing of others around you. And in that, you continue to proclaim him. We just brought forward a day 2,000 years ago into the present. Just now, that happened. Because we remember him. Again and again, we bring that day forward into our own life and into our own reality that we have received a good gift, a good grace. Let me pray for us. God, you, uh, you continually bless us with each breath that we take. We know it comes from you, Lord, that you have given of yourself to put this whole universe into motion, to create tiny little oxygen molecules that come into our, our lungs, are transformed and go back out and are transformed again. It is all a gift. And Lord, we remember you as often as we do this. May we remind our, our brothers and sisters anytime that we are in a situation where we get to eat and drink together. Let's remember what you've done for us, God, in the good gift. And let us be a good gift to those around us. We love you and we pray all these things in the powerful name of your resurrected son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love what John said about, there's a, a slide up there that said something to the effect, I'm going to butcher it, but the holy is in the common. Like he said, this whole table is basically breaking down that barrier between I've got this spiritual life here and I've got this like church life and I've got my kind of real life over here. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Jesus breaks it down and says, it's all there. It's all holy. It's as simple as eating bread. It's as simple as having a cup of coffee and a donut. And I love that. And the song that we chose right now kind of speaks into that. So I'm going to have you guys stay seating during the song. If you want to stand, you're welcome to. But um, I just want this song to kind of wash over you guys.